you know, when your mind, when you have a memory of it, you miss out on all the little minutia, the little, you know, the sense when you see someone you haven't seen in a while and all that stuff. That little mental accountant never picks up any of that, yeah, never puts any value on any of that. So you're thinking, oh, it was just a drag flying to Toronto and, you know, rather be surfing at my house, whatever. And yet, I come here and I see people, and then it's the relational stuff that's really juicy. So I really appreciate it. So, uh, the approach I like to take is to see what you're not. That's the whole point. So let's just say we're like uh, in a kitchen, and there's all different appliances. Let's say there's a toaster, there's a blender microwave and everything, yes? <clears throat> and they all have their own functioning. Yeah? You're not going to make a, a smoothie in a toaster. Yeah? If you pour it, it's not going to work, right? They all have their own functioning. They have their own limitations. They can only do a certain thing, yes? And yet, uh, they're fueled by the same juice. The electricity is what enlivens or allows that functionality to manifest. Can you hear me back there? Yeah? So it's the electricity. So the electricity is going in the, the toaster. Whatever has an access to it, the electricity feeds. Yeah. Whatever, if 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 there's a if there's a conduit or an access, the electricity floods in, and and provides the energy for that functioning. So let's say if there's a toaster and that toaster has self-centeredness, then things happen. Because this toaster thinks it's making the toast. And then it has opinions about what toast it will make or not. You know, I'm not going to accept any rye bread, <laughs> you know, based on some, some crazy idea, right? And uh, there are a whole lot of stuff, and the toaster will compare itself to other things. I wish I could make a smoothie. You know, what's wrong with me? I'm very, I'm very one-dimensional. I'm just making toast. Why can't I expand? And all of this stuff, and it smells like toast right now. It does, doesn't it? <laughs> so the, the the toaster would be comparing its functions to other and maybe we'd see a toaster with four holes instead of two and oh what the happened I got a bad shake you know I can only receive two pieces of toast you know and complaining about my side of toast not being buttered and all this and all that but the fact is it's the electricity that allows that function yeah without the juice there'd be no functioning yeah there's a potential but there's no uh carrying through unless you have that juice. And the juice is unbiased. The electricity isn't the toaster, but it allows the toaster to function. Yeah? The toaster finds its its functioning or its destiny through the electricity, but the electricity isn't the toaster. Yeah? The elect because if the electricity was it was the toaster, then there would be no smoothie. There would be no blender. There'd be nothing like that, yes? But the electricity is just energy that's seeking expression. And if there's a certain line that runs from that energy to that toaster, toast is going to be made if there's bread. Yeah. And so here we're in conscious contact. And to me, consciousness is sort of like that electricity in a way. Yeah. The consciousness is allowing me the experience that they're seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching. You know, conscious contact. So what happens first in life is conscious contact. That's what brings us life. 
there would be no engagement unless there was an awareness of it. You could be nestling up against something, but if you were unconscious, you wouldn't know that was happening. So would it actually be happening? There would be a big question there, yeah? So the conscious contact or that electricity is what's allowing this to manifest. Now this has limitations, yeah? Like my spectrum of seeing is very limited. I see only a few colors, yeah? My spectrum of hearing, like an eagle sees a lot better than we see. A chimpanzee is four times stronger than any guy who's been working out at Gold's Gym for the last 30 years. He's never going to be as strong as a chimpanzee, no matter how much he works out. He may look like an ape, but he's not going to have the strength of an ape, yeah? Because there's limitations. We are toasters in a way. We are blenders. We are this and we are that. But there is no limitation to the electricity in a sense. Yeah? The electricity, if there's any kind of, of appliance, that electricity will make it run. Yeah? If you put it in a house, just like here, at one point they said there was a very few humans. Yeah? Now there's 8 billion humans. And maybe if there were 16 billion unions, uh, units or humans, there would still be consciousness flooding through 16 billion humans. If it's 30 billion unit, humans, there'd still be 30 billion units, humans being driven by consciousness. Yeah? There is no, like, lack of consciousness. There's no quantity of consciousness. It's not going to hit a point where, well, there's just too many humans to fuel. Yeah? It's just not going to happen. So, because it's like a giant field, and if you're there, this is like a, an, an appliance with a plug. If you're there, and then this plugs in, you're on. Yeah? It doesn't matter how many things plug in, that nothingness can run them all. Yeah? In a way. That's why it's unbelievable. Because you're in a giant field of awareness. Yeah? We're not in it, but we're appearing in it. Yeah? We are that giant field of awareness. So, the first contact in life is brought by consciousness. Yeah? The second contact isn't truly a contact. It's an interpretation of conscious contact, and that's the mental interpretation. That's where the self arises in the mental interpretation. The self doesn't arise in conscious contact. You know? What arises in conscious contact is feeling, hearing, seeing, tasting, and touching. Yeah? We experience the contact because consciousness is what precedes everything else. So when there's consciousness, and if there's something that it can contact things through, like us, then there's conscious contact. Yeah? But the toaster isn't what's making the toast. It's facilitating the toast. Yeah? Without the electricity, it can have the perfect toaster, but it's not going to make any toast. Yeah? So this isn't what's conscious. I would say this facilitates consciousness to have contact here. Yeah? To have what we call life. Consciousness wouldn't see anything without going through us. Because it's like undifferentiated light comes through this apparatus and differentiates. Yeah? Undifferentiated light, or let's say awareness, comes through this and now it differenti- differentiates to, to no thingness to and thingness. It appears as thingness to no thingness. Yeah? We're taking it to be appearing as a thing to a thing, but it's not actually appearing to a thing. It's appearing through a thing. Yeah? So, 
it's good to know the limitations of being a toaster, yeah? so that you won't compare yourself to blenders, because you're going to always be lacking when it comes to that. <laughs> and for me, the whole point was, the biggest hook you're on is your own. Your head has you. There's a point somewhere in everyone that the mind really believes it's right about. Yeah? It's like the hidden little iron ball in the gut or something. There's a point, no matter how much evidence to the contrary is demonstrated in your life, you really believe something is true, that you're a loser or you're not able to be intimate or some crazy stuff like that, yeah? And there's like, and there's, the rightness has formulated, like crystallized. And to me, that's the true, like, essence of reliance on self, Yeah? There's one thing that you're sure of, you know, that you're bad or that you're lacking or that this or that, that or whatever. But there is usually one thing. And no matter how much you meet people that tell you something differently in there, it's very rarely a touch. You never really get to it, you know. It's a dance around it a lot. So if consciousness is in contact, then when that statement of Buddha is heard, seeing, see when seeing, yeah, Hearing when hearing, feeling when feeling, tasting when tasting, touching when touching. That's the beauty. That's the raw data of a life. That's conscious contact. Yeah. And when there's an awareness or a, or a consciousness of that awareness, yeah. When you become conscious of that awareness, not as you, but of of that as that. That's how. That's the traveling light. I'm telling you the truth. Yeah. Things come and go because that's their nature. A thought. Do you know when a thought's coming? Do you see it turning around Spadina and, you know, it has your name on it and if you duck, you'll, it'll miss you? No. It just becomes, your, there's an awareness of it, yeah? We don't know where it came from, really, do you? And we don't know where it goes. But what happens is, is when it arises and it's held as mine, it's put into an orbit, yeah? It's not allowed. It's not allowed to go. It's sort of sucked into this by this tractor beam, and now it starts revolving around you, yeah. And then one thought begets another thought, and then you become this idea of being Paul, pictured as a body, becomes the fixed object of an obsession. And it's not enough to obsess now. It's not juicy enough, so it, it accepts, obsesses about you in a future and about you in a past. <laughs> it couldn't get into it enough. It had to make up time. <laughs> you know? All right, so you were here. Let's go over that every second of a day. And you will be here. Oh, Jesus Christ. What could it possibly mean to be here later? Oh, no. I'm going downhill. I'll be sicker than I am. Whatever, you know. And then it's like, it's like, it's like that crazy piper. All your attention and interest just follows it. Just falls, swoons for the tune. And then you start believing. Shit. <laughs> And then when you, there's a belief, there's a drive to be right. There is, man. The conditional mind has a drive to be right. No matter how wrong it will make you, it wants to be right about. So for me, the original sickness is the conditional mind addicted to the idea of being Paul. You know, 
being a long-lasting, independent, separate entity. That's the addiction, and it is an addiction because it never can be fulfilled. You are never going to be a self. You are never going to be separate, long-lasting, and independent. You're, you're prior to that. You're beyond that. Yeah. So it's just like any other desire that's unfulfilled. It produces anxiety, doesn't it? It produces. You ever had a desire when you, let's say, you're walking down the street and you got your lens is pretty much open. You're seeing things and everything like that. <coughs> and you're sensing the space of everything. Then there's something. Let's see. You see a pair of shoes in the window, or a girl, or a man. Yeah, or a nice car, and then the mind tunnels into it, yeah? Oh, I want that, yeah? I want that. The whole lens just immediately goes down and focuses on that, yes? And now you're not able, you're not hearing the bird, you're not feeling this wind, yeah? You're not enjoying the day because <coughs> there's something in it you want. <laughs> and it signifies a lot to you, Yeah? Like, she's going to save me, or those shoes, man, I look great in those shoes, and whatever, or that couch. You know, we have a story about the couch, you know, where I'm sitting in my little bedroom at home, and I'm reading a beautiful magazine, and there's a nice full-page picture of a couch, really lovely setting with Buddhas next to it and everything. Really beautiful, and I'm, you know, I'm actually happy as hell I'm sitting in my little room, but then I read, I see this picture, and I realize I don't have a couch in my room. You know? And now I start feeling the lack of a couch. <laughs> it's extremely painful. As yes, I'm thinking, man, if I only had a couch, maybe I could meet a girl, and we could conceive our first child on that couch. And Mrs. Hedeman would, <laughs> would happen on that couch. And now the couch seems to be really freaking important to me. And what was so totally okay a minute ago isn't okay now, because it's couchless. You know? well, I've got a dried up life. It's couchless. <laughs> Nothing's ever going to happen. I'll never have a kid. Never get married because I don't have that fucking couch. I want. <laughs> so your mind goes for it. Yeah, that couch. That'll make a big difference. So I get into it and I start calling people up and I'm incessantly talking about I can't wait to get a couch they've already have a couch they know it's what's going to happen but they're all right Paul Paul and I say are you going to be at the couch opening when I get the couch are you going to be here yeah well we may come you know yeah. Facebook maybe or whatever SVP maybe I'll show up whatever and so I get the mover and they bring the couch over I swept around have a beautiful space for it I'm so happy it's finally arrived and I get the couch and I sit on it and it's a pretty nice couch, you know. But then I start looking around and I realize I gotta get a matching rug. <laughs> so the couch, which was this mythical there, when I got there would be a great here, you know. But while it wasn't here, the here wasn't much. Yeah. My mind was invalidating every here I was in because the couch wasn't there. And you can use a, some other term, the retreat, the seeing somebody, whatever. But it's always this mythical there that's going to be the best here that you're never going to have while you're here. <laughs> Until the there arrives. But what happens when you get there? It turns into a here, doesn't it? As soon as it's here, it's not really that valuable. Yeah? I realize that's stupid. I'm never going to meet a babe on this couch and have a baby. <laughs> 
but I'm just going to watch TV all night by myself. <laughs> I'll lose the remote in it because it's so big. I won't be able to video my my favorite shows. I hate this fucking couch. <laughs> I can't sell it on eBay. I'll have to get, give it to the dump or something. Goodwill. <laughs> but the mind loves to do that. Yeah? It always believes that something could really add to this moment. Well, maybe it's you. <laughs> Maybe you're what could be added to the moment. <laughs> Maybe you're the couch. Maybe you're the retreat. Maybe you're the it trip to India. Maybe you're all of that. Maybe what's lacking in your life is there's not enough of what you are. In it, you know, not you, not you as a thought, but you as the consciousness. There's not a there's not enough consciousness of the consciousness in a sense. Yeah. And with that lacking, with that emptiness, in a sense, the mind is searching, but on an ignorant basis. It's looking for no thing as a thing. Yeah? That's why you can't find it. That's why self-centeredness, which is a form of looking, is a form of blindness, because you don't see. You can't find the seeing for looking for it. Yeah, have you ever heard of that? They always drive you crazy, don't they? They say, the truth, the open secret. Fuck you. What do you mean the open secret? You have something I don't have. No, it's the open secret or the gateless gate. Yeah? This is sort of, it's, it's obvious because it's always here, but why aren't we seeing it? Because we're looking. Yeah? It's like a thief in the night. It's going to come upon you like a thief in the night because something will occur, some grace, that the looking will be seized or, or frozen into place and then what happens is let's say if you hear a message and you're hearing it and the selfing is claiming it as soon as you hear it let's say the message is so novel or hits you in such a way the mind freezes the conditional mind freezes then the raw mind gets it the raw mind actually receives the message and then that stuff that you've been listening to suddenly you get it yeah Suddenly it hits you as if it was like a bolt of lightning because it bypassed the gatekeeper. Yeah? The gatekeeper got frozen in this position of sentinel, kind of claiming because, like, I am that? Whoa! Something just shocked it into freezing up, but the mind hasn't frozen up. The mind is very fertile and open and accepting, like a woman in a way. It's very receiving. Yeah? Once it gets in there, it's a done deal. The mind recognizes something of its own nature. Yeah? It doesn't have to be taught to recognize it. It doesn't have to be, con you know, convinced to recognize it. There's a recognition. We've all had it here at these meetings where there's an unspoken yes, the light comes on. Now, maybe when you go home and think about it, it seems to go off. But you have to realize what brought about that feeling of it going off. Yeah? was the idea that you had something to do with it being on. If you have something to do with it being on, it will definitely go off to you. When you see that it has nothing to do with you, then it can be left alone. It stands on its own. And it's on its own, it's constant, always available at all times. Yeah, Clear as the open sky. It never deviates from its nature.
So the toaster may think it's really great to be a toaster, but if it could sense the electricity, then it would realize it could see the blender and everything, every other appliance in a different light because it would see it the same juice. The same juice is permeating the whole field. Yeah. So it's sort of like looking back through the wire instead of looking at every piece of toast that gets popped and judging it and comparing it and going over it, but looking at what brought it about, looking at the raw data of a day, which is conscious contact. Consciousness in contact. It's not saying it's you that's in contact. It says conscious contact. Yeah, It's not Paul's in contact with life today. Paul's never been in contact with life today. Consciousness is in contact with life today. And the mental process makes up a story that Paul is the one that's conscious. Yeah, As if Paul is doing consciousness. Yeah, And that my consciousness is going to be based on what Paul does or doesn't do. That's, that... There's way too many requirements on that. Too many requirements. Too many conditions. Yeah, the only real peace has to be something that's not touched by you. Yeah, it can't have your qualities of coming and going, yesing and knowing, good and bad. You know, really connected or disconnected. No, that's all interpretation. We're dancing around the inevitability of what's so. You know, trying to make it seem how it's all based on how we approach it. How can you approach what's everywhere? How can you queue up and get, you know, try to sneak in front of everyone else on the line to everywhere? Wherever you are is there. Yeah? It's just a simple recognition and then an honoring of it. Yeah? You don't think the advertising is going to herald a new day when it, when it gets a sense of the, the real sheriff coming to town? <laughs> you better believe it's going to pull out all its big guns because it has... The, it, it has a lifeblood which is attention and that attention has to be taken it has to be taken from where it would probably like to go yeah it's got to be sucked up into that gravitational field of selfing yeah so it runs tons of advertising you ever see if you ever see any like on a large level of life like politics and stuff power the only thing power is afraid of is other power the amount of con- of advertising and manipulation that the powers that be do to the masses is because they recognize the masses have power. Yeah? When power is recognized by the mental process, it runs heavy advertising. <laughs> Huge amount of advertising brings out the best guns. Yeah? To do what? To have you just say but once. But, and then go into that world. Yeah? Oh, yeah, maybe. Whoop, sucked in there, right? Oh, it's okay to feel like this this at this Saturday, but Monday will be sucked in there, right? <laughs> sucked in there. <laughs> but if there's an honoring of that, there's an honoring of that, it gives you like a root in a way. It's not, you're not so easily sucked back in. Yeah, your mind's attention isn't so easily sucked back into that little vortex because you're rooted. Yeah, you're established in an understanding because the understanding turned into a vision. You're seeing now. You're aware of the raw seeing. Yeah.
and then you just travel later. <laughs> I mean, it's it's really to me it's it's so wild because it becomes more and more ordinary, more and more normal. All my little vestiges of hope that it was make you some kind of spiritual specialness has just been popped. <laughs> It's just basically the dog shit awareness. <laughs> You're just on, incessantly on. On, constantly on. Never never blinks, never takes a break. Yes? Just awareness, and incessantly aware. Yeah? The only thing to do is to relent, really. You just surrender. Surrender, yeah? Surrender any vestiges of being the toaster. Yeah? Because all being the toaster is, is remembering. That's all the mind does all day, yes? Every time my mind, through thought, claims, says, uh, thinks about the future, what is it doing? It's remembering you. Yeah? You don't think, you think it only remembers you through the past? It remembers you when it thinks about the future. Because you're pictured in that future. It remembers you. It's remembering you all day. There is no you here. It has to be remembered. Yeah? The appearance has to constantly be blown up. It can't take a break because it's not so. Yes? Yet there is a break. There's many breaks during the day. There's many pauses where the real... See, it's not like the gap between thoughts. There is no gap between thoughts. There's all that. All of that space and thoughts are appearing in front of it. There's, it's not the gap between thoughts. The gap is just a small window to an infinite view. Yeah, It's just the attention and interest is addicted to going to the thoughts because it takes those thoughts to, to be about it. Yeah, It's addicted to the idea of being a self. That's why the intention of the mind isn't going into the space. It's going in what's appearing in the space because the thoughts are important to it. Because the thoughts are about it. And through the thoughts, it remembers itself. It remembers the idea of being a long-lasting, independent, separate entity. Yeah? It has to constantly remember it. That's why in Buddhism they say it's a cherishing of self. There's a love involved. The conditional mind loves what it's made up. Yeah. Yet it has to keep making it up because it's not so. That's why the selfing spawns all other addictions because the conditional mind's desire to be a self can never be fulfilled. It's never going to complete the mission. It can think about you all day and it doesn't make it so. Yeah, It can worry about you as an action figure all day for the rest of your life and it still doesn't make it so. You are not an action figure. Yeah, You are what's fueling that action figure. Yeah, So, this is like a desire that has so much oomph to be fulfilled and that never is. What does it do? It causes a dis-ease, a discomfort, an agitation. What happens now? You start looking for relief from that. How are you looking for relief from that? From the problem itself, self-centeredness. So you're going to try to get relief for it, yeah? As it, but never from it. And in that ignorant way of seeking, we, pr- we support and reinforce the appearance of being the seeker. All day. I 
I mean, how much spiritual fruit do you need? <laughs> Sometimes it would only take one bite in a spiritual apple and you get it. That's done. Now you know you're the fucking tree. Instead of having to go to each orchard and find a new one with the hopes if I eat this one, it's, I'm going to get it. It's not going to happen. Yeah. There's an inherent mistake. We're identified as something that we're not. And everything is being framed from there. Yeah? And there's mental states like that picture are arising. Look at it. In that little picture, there's six pictures, yeah? The mind can make 80 pictures. It can make 200 pictures. It can see you in so many different ways in one incident, yeah? But the whole thing is framed by self-centeredness. Self-centeredness is giving all the pictures that are appearing in it the meaning they have, yeah? We want to see, oh, if I could just move this, put it over there, put that over here, then everything would work out. It doesn't. Yeah? But if the frame, if you could question the frame, I'll tell you what appears in it would look totally different. To base your condition on what's appearing in the frame is a losing proposition. But to question the frame... And if it isn't so for you, then the pictures will change in and of themselves. It's like you'll see anew. Everything will seem to be different. I mean, I've been reading one book in recovery for years, and yet when my mind shifted, everything I read in that book seemed totally different than I had re- and I'd read it many, many times before. What happened? Did the book change? No. The mind changed. It's still going to be centered, but not on self. Yeah. It's going to be centered on a location that's right where you are, no matter where you are. Right at the time you're at. Yeah. You're going to be centered. And the mind is going to express just like it does through self-centeredness, but now it will express through centeredness. And for me, the basic translation of it is you travel lighter through whatever consequences you have to deal with in your life. Some nice, some not so nice. It doesn't promise to change the terrain of my life, but it definitely allows me to travel lighter over it on a consistent basis. What more do you want? Have you ever done something and you thought you had you had the reason why you did it, and then uh, what happens is the reason is fulfilled or drops and you're still doing it? Doesn't that ever get you? Jesus, I thought I was doing it for this reason, but now you're still doing it. I mean, we're just throwing darts in the dark. Our head, our head has no idea what's going on. It really doesn't. It's totally blind. Yeah, it's it professes a form of looking all day. But it's truly blind. It doesn't see a damn thing. It's sort of like us sitting in this room. And if it was dark, this room would have probably a lot of problems. It would produce a lot of problems. I'd have a hard time navigating to get to the bathroom. If I didn't know where the bathroom was, I may end up in a closet. Things could happen. I could bump into this person, and and I'd have to apologize for them. And I'd hurt my knee on this chair, and yeah, and I'd have to go somewhere, and I'd go to the bathroom in this plant or something. I'd have to relieve myself. And then we get all these elaborate plans of how to deal with the reality of where we're in, the darkness. 
so I have to get knee pads so I don't hurt myself so much. And I have a preemptive apology. I just yell out in the dark, I'm sorry if I bump into you in life, you know? My intentions were good, whatever. And then I'm buying maps to the bathroom. Someone was saying, I saw the bathroom once when the light was on. If you make a left and a right, first of all, give me 10 bucks. But if you make a left and a right, I think you'll reach the bathroom in about a half hour. If you don't, bye-bye. I'll be here, right? So why not just turn on the light? Why not turn on the light? What would happen? Would you need would you need knee pads if you could see where you were going? Yeah? Would you buy a map to how to get to the bathroom if you could re- see the sign bathroom? You know what I, mean? I don't need someone saying, Oh, here's a translation of a sign that says to the bathroom. I see the sign. No, I think this is this is authentic here. I think this would no, I see the sign it says the bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> but we don't see we just never just get the obvious. Switch on the light. Yeah. As soon as the light arises, as soon as the illumination occurs, a lot of problems recede, yeah? Because you can see. Yeah. Being a conscious of the conscious contact is seeing. Red becomes red, blue becomes blue. You start, clarity starts arising. Not through any effort of your part, just your natural state of being able to see. You see things. Yeah? And when you see things, you also see the, the, the structure and the building and the blowing up of this idea of being a long-lasting, independent, separate entity. You see it as clearly as you see the back of your hand. You see it being made up. And you see how everything it claims is used to infer the phantom person. Yeah? Like, shoe, my shoe. Who's the one who has the shoe becomes the more important thing than the shoe. Yeah? Who the one who saw it becomes more important than the seeing. Who's the one who heard becomes more important than the hearing. Once that happens, all hell breaks loose. Really? Yeah? Then we want to return to that simplicity, but we can't return to that simplicity as a mental complexity. It doesn't work. The feeling of being you isn't going to be there to get it. It's when the feeling of being you drops sufficiently, then you sense the obvious. Yeah? Because all the while, no matter what you've done, it hasn't disrupted the consciousness that's available. Yeah? If I go home to my hometown and I go to the place I did the worst atrocity of my young life, there's no... You don't sense it there. Yeah? The space is all forgiving. There's no plaque. Oh, Paul Hedeman did this there. It's all as if it never freaking happened. Because that's what it's like. Everything comes to pass. In a sense, it's like it never happened. But what's always happening? What's always happening that because it's always happening, you can't get that it's happening? Yeah? You can't... It's sort of like trying to read Braille. We don't get it. Yeah? So we're not attempting to say, hey, that's what we need to know. We're attempting to explain how how it seems... That we don't know it, yeah? What's allowing us to live under the, the auspices of not knowing it? What's, there must be an activity or something that's causing us to have a feigned blindness. 
It's not that we need sight, but the sight that we think we have is being used to blind us. Yeah? The seeing has been turned into a form of looking called self-centeredness. It's the same seeing, but it's been interpreted as I'm the one who's doing it. That's called self-centeredness. Yeah. So now I'm looking all day like I've, I've always have since I've been born, but I can't freaking find anything. I can't see, I can't look hard enough to capture the seeing. It's impossible. But maybe I'm not that which is looking. Ah, there's the scene. Yeah. It gets arrested, a pause occurs, and then the obviousness of what's happening becomes obvious. And it can make a big impression on you. Even if the, the mind immediately regroups into looking, there's an it's difficult to forget the scene. Yeah? It makes a big impression on you. So I don't know what would facilitate what's already happening. I can't understand how anything could do that. But let's say if there's a sense of something to do, I would say it's more an undoing. It's more a seeing of what's been thrown on us that aren't our that's not our skin. You know, it's sort of like if I had a tumor and I took it to be me, you know, I'd go to tailors and have special shirts made so the tumor could be comfortable. I'd, Use it like an armrest while I'm driving. Maybe try to make it flat so I can put a coffee cup in there. Walking around and I'd be assuming it's me, so I can't. There's nothing I can do about it, you know. Someone finally says, "Hey, you know that's a growth that can be removed." What? It's like a radical idea. What? And then you see, but I have a lot of investment. I got all these tailored shirts and jackets. See, I don't want to let go of the tumor. You know what I mean? The tumor is, I'm really invested in the tumor. I went to school with the, as this tumor. You know what I mean? I don't want the tumor to go. That's called intellect or whatever. Yeah. But if you can entertain the possibility that you're not that, you can be removed. Yeah. That's all we're doing. We're just trying, and if you've heard it before, you've heard it before. It's not bad to hear it. Yeah? How many times you need to hear it, it's not bad to hear it. But to hear that there's a possibility you're not that. Yeah? And if you reach the point of, I don't know, that's a great place to be. Because you'll find out. And finding out is a very convincing form of knowledge. Yeah? You'll find out. Things will be revealed. Yeah? Just like when I was in recovery, I lived a life, <coughs> don't, you know, there's no me living it, but alcoholism was the dominant trait in my life. So it was expressing on a grand scale and it brought you know brought me to a lot of places I mean how many people get run over twice in one night it's pretty good you know to pull that off mm. you know to get run over and the guy not knowing he ran you over backs up over, backs up over you it's a pretty good move you know and that was just one minor 
tidbit of exquisite suffering my head was producing quite a lot of yeah but when I finally got my ass I don't know what royally kicked so many times and I came into recovery and certain principles were were given to me through a book when I read those principles like any life run on self will will not be successful I mean I got it I had the ability to be convinced it took a long time, but I had been thoroughly convinced about the failedness of the system called self-centeredness. It's a failed system. When mind relies on it, mind is in anxiety and agitation because it's a failed system. It's not reliable. Yeah? And I, they presented all these principles about the condition I was suffering in and as, and it just rang so deeply true I became convinced. And then a problem that was a dominant problem in my life very quickly appeared not to exist anymore. That's an incredible demonstration of mind. Yeah? And when it happened to me, it was really grace because a lot of people in recovery come to recovery through a bottom, but to me it was a regular day at the office. You know, I had already had a number of bottoms and I had moved in and called it home basically and I was at a point of of a, not a, an acceptance but a, just a, a a mental just collapse of just accepting my fate that I was just going to be running trying to stay high until I was institutionalized jailed or dead again you know and so I was just sitting in this trailer drinking vodka with this guy and uh my mind was just thinking how we could come up with some money to get some drugs because I didn't have any money and uh, suddenly my mind was frozen the self thing got frozen for about two minutes the whole self thing which is an incredible it's like a moving train that you're on that you don't know you're moving but it's really wild when it stops because I hadn't I had it had been so long seemingly that I didn't know it was possible for it to stop I didn't know actually how fast it was going, yeah. But the self thing was just—it just got—it got shut down, and a portal opened, and some solution came in, and I got sober the next day. Yeah. I made a phone call I was never thinking of making. I asked someone to help me. I never thought of asking them ten minutes before. They brought me to my first meeting, which I never intended to ever go to. I needed a place to stay. That was the deal. And I was given a solution to a very big problem in my life, which was alcoholism. Yeah. But it had nothing to do with me. It needed to shut down to me for it to actually have a chance to manifest. Yeah. And it did shut it down for a few minutes. It kicked back up again. But by then it was too late. The, the, in, the infection had occurred already, the benevolent infection, and it just spread throughout my life. There was no stopping it. So when I see that, you know, I've been thoroughly convinced to the point where there's no surrender but surrendered. It's just an obvious state. So that's how I found it. I found it through the failure of what my mind was relying on. I didn't find it by everyone describing it so lovingly. It didn't work for me that way. I needed to see that, yeah, 
the message is you're a lion, but how are you hearing it? Are you hearing it from with cheap ears? That's the dilemma. It's not the message of being a lion. It's the message, the previous message that you're a sheep that needs to be addressed. Yeah. It's not like this is the first time we've heard the, a message. We've gotten a message since we were kids, <laughs> and we take it in. We've taken it in wholeheartedly. We gotta sort of question that first message. Are you this? Yeah. Then, if you are a lion, it will become obvious to you. Just like in that story when the young lion who thinks it's a sheep sees its reflection and looks at the old lion's reflection in the pond of water, it wakes up. It sees, yeah, it sees that it's a lion, yeah? And immediately it can roar. It doesn't have to study how to roar. It, can, it just immediately has access to what it thought it had a practice to find, yeah? It immediately has access. The whole movement is shifted from doing and having to, to be and now there's the being and let's see what we're going to do and have <laughs> really that's what occurs yeah. it switches from a result and then result to a beginning yeah so during my day I'm not work. I don't that mental accountant has been fired there's no one sitting there trying to see how much value I've accrued alright I'm giving a talk I'm helping people I don't even know if I'm doing that anymore. But how much is that worth? Okay, you can have some ice cream tonight. You'll be all right. Just, you know that? You ever had seen that? How you start at a certain level, usually below zero, and you've got to work your butt off just to think you're, you know, give yourself a break. <laughs> Isn't that a form of slavery? I would say so. Yeah. But let's say that gets, re- gets shifted into being then doing and having is looked more as a, as a tool of expression, not as a way to achieve. Changes the way you live. Yeah. All the directions shift and it, things work differently. And so my experience is that you just, uh, as a whole, you travel lighter. Yeah. And by, ha- by traveling lighter consistently for a, lot, a while, I've recognized early that's what I was truly looking for. I was calling it enlightenment when I was in spirituality, I was calling it the best shot of coke when I was a drug addict. The same, same. Yeah? I was calling it the fairy princess when I hoped the woman was going to save me. I was calling it money when I thought money was going to do it. But when I actually got the sense of the peace and joy, yeah, it was just being content and satisfied. Traveling lighter through the day. The Urban Renewal Project called Paul had been shut down. No more construction and destruction no, not making the better Paul <laughs> it was all finished my little sloppiness and flaws became okay, that's alright I have the ability to apologize quickly when I step on people's toes <laughs> you know what I mean and basically I was eased off a huge hook that was placed by you know in a sense myself you know no one could take me off that hook. That's why all saviors have to fail. You know? It's got to be an inside job. It's got to be an admittance to your innermost self that you're not that self. <laughs> then there's something happens. You know? That could be you get motivated to come to Toronto. You, know? you get motivated to share at recovery meetings and have most people not like you <laughs> because this is a new idea that they're upset about
<laughs> but I'm persistent. That's what I'm doing. Because there's no way. This was so. I was so thoroughly convinced in such a split second. It was a done deal, and it was the last answer. Yeah. Even when I got into recovery, I found other sol- answers, other solutions. But when I heard this message, this became this was the last answer. Now people come and offer me new solutions, new ways, and I appreciate their, you know, the intent and love there. But I don't have. I'm not in the business of looking for an answer anymore. That's one of the greatest releases. Yeah. Release from the need to be liberated. It's like this wind. It's a nice, cool breeze, you know? You don't... There's not much reading into it. You immediately feel relief when you feel it on the back of your neck. It's sort of like that, you know? Like a cool breeze. You don't have to know where the breeze comes from, who caused the breeze, where's the breeze going, where's it all going to end up. You just feel the release of the, the feeling of... Nice feeling on the breeze, yeah? It's got to be more than that. Why? Why does it have to be more than that? Yeah? Let's make the breeze constant. Ah, it is constant, but its expression, you know, moves. That's what makes it interesting, yeah? It's like light, but in millions of facets. Seeing, seeing it hit millions of facets, yeah? Every day, there's so many times light captures your attention by a different facet it appears in. You know, you see a crack in a floor or you sense the space of this room or like, I like this angle better than the other angle with the talk. Yeah, I do like this much better. So, yeah, yeah. And um, my plan is just to get rid of the three guys and there'll be a perfect meeting. <laughs> These three guys are going to be here in the afternoon. <laughs> I'm already plotting. I, got, I know I got rid of one of them already. The other two I'll take care of. <laughs> so, yeah. Is there any questions today? I think I got to go into Hoang Po later. The Master Hoang Po. Oh, yes. I like that. I forgot the book, though. But maybe I can. Maybe I'll do the uh, Zen treatise, The Faith Mind. Yeah? We can print that out on the computer. You ever hear of that, Faith Mind? Oh, no. It's a great. Well, it's so purported to have come from the fifth Zen patriarch, you know. I think the Zen lineage is all made up, really. I do. They just, they really, they got some far stories about it. But supposedly this man wrote it, and it's a very, very great, uh, like, expression of duality. Yeah? Like, talks about, you know, instead of uh, searching for the truth, just give up your opinions. Stuff like that. Yeah? It's really nice. Because it just shows the incompatibility of the dualistic mind to mind, yeah? And how the dualistic mind's never going to find mind because of its dualistic nature, yeah? Yes, no, close, far, yeah? It's impossible. In other words, it can't embrace what's so. It can only make up something. That's what it does, yeah? It doesn't have the ability to just embrace. It has, it has the ability to make up something. So that's what it does. 
So once you make something out of nothing, that's not nothing. Yeah. So he goes on and on. So it's only four pages, but it's exquisite. And then at the end, he says, "Listen, if you're having a bad day, just shout out not to. You know, <laughs> not to, not to. Yeah. So that's what non-duality means in a way. Non-duality is not to, right? So it's it's a negation. It isn't a thing. There isn't anything called non-duality. It's a negation of a seeming thing called duality." which is what you need to do to seeming things. When something's appearing to be true or false to you, it's good to question it, yeah? And in a sense, negate it, because that's when you get the sense of the space, yeah? If it's, if it's taken to be a real thing, it's taking up a lot of space, and your attention will usually go to the thingness, and you'll miss the no-thingness. So when negating the thingness, the dualistic thingness of yes and no, yeah, good and bad, high and low, love and hate, by negating, not mentally negating it, but negating it through clarity, we negate it, then you get the sense of what is so. Because you can't ha- have an experience of what's so, but you can sense what's so, yeah? Because you are that. But you cannot have an experience of it because that would mean you had to be something else. Yeah? You can't have an experience of what you are. It's not available to an experience. You have to have an experience of what you're not. That's what an experience is, yeah? So, but the thing is, I would say you, all your experiences are coming from what you are, but you're never going to have an experience of it. See, being isn't, doesn't lend itself to be experienced. You can't have an experience of being being is, yeah? In other words, what's beautiful to me about beingness or awareness is that it's complete already, yeah? Where selfing is a process that can never find fulfillment, yeah? It just keeps talking and living as if there's a person and there are people and this is the way it goes, but you never come into fulfillment. You never become a person. There's never a static, authentic you. You're just as fluxing as the afternoon breeze, yeah? You're all circumstances and conditionals, just chemical reactions going on, but we're attempting to give it some kind of con- continuity, you know? I'm the constant one through claiming. That's how it tries to do it, yeah? By claiming everything that's seen, heard, and said, it's, it, it attempts to be the constancy of consciousness, but as a mental idea, yeah? So in that selfing, there's agitation because it's constantly trying to do something, Yeah? trying to be something. So there's no rest. And how can agitation experience rest? It just makes rest something to get agitated about. (laughs) That's what it does. Just like self-seeking or spirituality makes peace very an anxious topic. I don't have it. I don't have enough. They have more than me. Oh, he's definitely in peace. I'm not. I mean, peace is used to really debilitate yourself all day. So... But let's say sentiness or beingness is complete already, yeah? It's not here to achieve a culmination. It's not here to have a climax. It's already complete in in and of itself. So it's actually, no matter how much movement there is, there's rest in it. Because it's not moving towards any goal for the sake of becoming anything. It already is, yeah? So the whole movement of desiring to become is out of the question because it is. Yeah? 
So when the mind reflects that, whatever the mind reflects, it takes on the nature of what it's reflecting. Just like it's reflecting in this place, we take on its nature. We see things, we become a thing in a sense, yeah? If we if the mind reflects that awareness, yeah, then it's it takes on its nature which it's empty. Yeah? But not empty in the sense that we mean it's lacking, but it's empty as everything. Yeah. So the mind mimics that and has peace because he reflects the stillness even in action because there's that still center in being because it's not in any drive to become. So when the mind sees that, it reflects its nature, which is empty, peaceful, and clear as the open sky. When the mind is turned this way and it's just reflecting all of this all day, it's reflecting what this provokes, agitation, fear of what's going to happen because time is an ingredient here, the mortality of the body, the severe limitations of the body. You know what I mean? Someone was just sharing, some lady has such a level of tetanus, whatever, it's driving her crazy. It sounds like a siren inside. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine you've had everything in place in life? You have all the right shoes, you got a Prius, you live in a nice house, you got a pool, and every day you're sitting there, your head sounds like a fire alarm going on. Jesus Christ, you know? You've done everything right, you've been good, got a great job, and Someone sinuses, sinuses, they get an allergy everywhere they go. Some, they think the trees are against them, you know. <laughs> Sniffling everything. They have the best job, they got everything, yet they're constantly suffering the identification as being a body all day. <laughs> you can't win in the winning, in a way. <laughs> you try, there's still going to be some unforeseen thing, some unintended consequence. <laughs> give up the ghost. <laughs> you give up the ghost and you are the spirit, really. That's the trippy thing. The ghost is like a pale reflection of the spirit, really. It's like the negative of a positive, or a positive of a negative, yeah? Just like the sun, the only thing, the only moonlight we ever see is of the sun. <laughs> it's just bouncing off the moon. So, whatever light we think we're bringing to the world is not, we're just reflecting the light, yeah? We're facilitating a movement. We're not the movement itself. Yeah? It's like the flute isn't calling the tune. The flute has five holes in a certain location, and when the wind of t- life moves through it, it plays. But is the flute playing? No. It just facilitates the wind turning into music. Yeah. So, no thingness is facilitated to appear as thingness here. And we're at the cusp. We're at the cusp of thingness and no thingness. Yeah. If our mind looks this way, we see the infinity. If it looks this way, we see its manifestation. Not a bad place, in a way. But if you only look in this way, and you think you're the end-all and be-all, yeah, it gets this very sick, self-centered loop. 
It's like a marathon runner put in a closet. The mind has the ability to entertain, and you ain't not giving it much to entertain, like the hem of your pants, or you know, that pimple that just appeared for 14 hours, or that bad relationship you've been thinking about for the last 10 hours. It's we're, we <laughs> we're taking its incredible ability to entertain, or entertaining some crazy shit, <laughs> and we and it gets bored, eh? Doesn't it? It gets bored really freaking fast. I'll tell you, when it looks that way, it doesn't get bored. Yeah. That's the least thing that happens, is boredom. <laughs> you wish there was boredom, maybe. <laughs> I know when I was loaded, I just thought I had a body, you know. I didn't feel it much. I just use it to feel drugs I shot into it, really. My leg, I never paid any attention to it, my bad leg. I mean, I didn't feel if it was hurting or not, nothing. I was just totally disassociated. There was sort of an ignorant joy in that. Now, every second, there's a cavalcade or a cascade of experiences going on. Sensations, energies, you know, vision, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching, you know, moods. Uh, emotions, all of this, just like a giant kaleidoscope of an experience. Every just a second, sitting like at a bus stop, you know? Just tons of activity going on. I could see why my mind wanted to disassociate. It couldn't handle it, because you can't handle it if you're centered on self. It's way too much. Yeah? It's like, you know, when you were a kid, you played with bugs and you wanted to see the back of them better so you got a magnifying glass but you didn't see that the shoulder the sun was over your shoulder so while you were looking and studying the bug you were killing it yeah burning it to death that's sort of what it's like in selfing you get this huge sun and you turn it on this one crazy little idea in your head and wherever that idea runs in the in the annals of time you follow it like with a magnifying glass it's all about me it's all about me it's way too fucking much People's, you look at it, look at the neuroses minds are getting into now. They, it's just they're just turning in on themselves, yeah, going really deeper and deeper into weirder, weirder states. Yeah, to, it has the ability to entertain, but if it's defined by self-centeredness, it can only entertain from self-centeredness, yeah, which means it entertains being okay as a future event. You know, I will be okay. It can't entertain okayness now. It can't entertain peace now, because if, even if it had peace now, it'd be worrying, will I have peace tomorrow? There's no rest in it. It's agitated. There's no rest. As soon as you find the rest you're looking for, the first thing you want to do is get up, you know? I remember I used to meditate, and it was great as long as the mind was going crazy. As soon as the pause occurred, I was... Laundry. We got to get out of here. You know? I didn't mind looking for the truth, but I definitely didn't want to find it. It's a whole different ball game. <laughs> you know what I mean? Looking is great as long as it stays looking. It's safe, but when you find it, whoa! You know. <laughs> so this is just hey, free the mind from that slavery by realizing it's not enslaved. Yeah, it's not. It's all seemingly so. And the word seemingly it means it appears to be true or false to us. 
that's the case of most situations here. Everything is appearing to be true or false to us. Yeah. So just as easily as it's appearing to be true, it can appear to be false. Yeah. When it appears to be false, you're freed. Your mind can move on. Your attention's not enslaved to that, and your attention that used to be driving you crazy is now enriching your life. Same attention. It's just put in a different vehicle. Yeah? Just like faith. Everyone has tons of faith here in this room. Tons of faith. It's just a quality of mind, yeah? That manifests here, faith. You don't have to acquire faith, I don't believe. You just have to see what vehicle it's in. If you have faith in a failed system, you're going to have a lot. That faith's going to produce anxiety. If you have faith in these crazy thoughts, you're going to be very, very anxious about what's going to happen to you later. Yeah. So it's not the thoughts that are provoking that; it's the faith in them. So what would happen if my faith was put in a different vehicle, like a reliance on something greater than self? You'll find out. Maybe that faith will translate as an ease and comfort in your day. Same faith, just whatever vehicle is put in is going to determine what its effects are going to be here. Because it's going to manifest effects. That's what manifestation is. Eh? So when there's some impotent, not impotent, imminent, imminent potential, if it expresses and finds manifestation, it finds manifestation through effect. So faith finds an effect here by what vehicle it's put in. I know people who are... They have total faith in their thought system and their wrecks. They're not traveling well. And even if everything's going well, they can't enjoy it because they think it's not going to be going well tomorrow. Yeah, And they believe fervently in that forecast. They have total faith in it. And therefore, it, their mind's producing tons of anxiety out of nothing. Yeah, Tons of anxiety out of nothing all day. When the same mind... If it's faith to be put in another vehicle, it could be chilled out. Yeah, it would come up when there was some need to be like put a nut and a bolt together, but then when the nut and bolt was put together, it would recede again. It was. It's not on call all day, hovering above, watching and looking. It's just there when it's needed, and it's and then it's just chilled out when it's not. It's a nice way to go. Has nothing to do with enlightenment and anything. That's too much meaning to it. It's just dog shit awareness. How does everything start? How does my day start? What encompasses everything that happens in my day? Isn't it awareness? Isn't awareness the context? And no matter how much I look, I can't find any content that's beyond the context. Yeah? Including this. So when I admit all this is is content I get a sense of what I am which is context but I can't entertain what I am as context as content it just makes context another part of content made it into something Yeah. but if I question the content as being the context Paul then when I question that it works that way yeah? When I realize all I am is content, it may be a real bummer for a minute or two, but then context becomes obvious. Oh! Yeah? 
<laughs> it's like getting dunked in water. Oh, and you come out. Oh, hey, yeah. You don't want to get dunked. You know, no, no, that's not going to be nice. But if it works, you'll be so much happier for it. And you'll forget the dunking right away. Yeah. So. Any questions this afternoon? No? It hasn't reached the point where I'm beating a dead horse yet, is has it? Mm-hmm. No. All right, good. When it does, tell me. <laughs> we'll refund your money and stuff. Because I'm not going on for four hours. Because to me, this is a message. Yeah? This is an invitation. Like, if I had a med- if I was going to invite you over, I wouldn't leave, like, a 20-minute message, right? I just say, hey, you want to come over 8 o'clock, 240th Maple Street, bye. Yeah? Why you should come over, and you've never have come over, and, you know, that wouldn't be a message. And it's sort of like if you had a car and it broke down, if you had an older car where they have carburetors and stuff, right? Which that's all I have, <laughs> old cars. So if my car breaks down and I can't start it, yeah? One of the things you can do is you take the air filter off and you open up the carburetor and you get some gas and you put a couple of drops of gas in. And then you pump the gas and you turn the ignition and then it catches and then the car starts. Yeah? You don't stand there and pour more gas in. If you keep pouring gas in the carburetor, it floods the carburetor and it dies. And now it takes a whole lot longer to start again because you put too much gas in. As soon as the car is running, that's all. That's it. Let it run. That's the message. Yeah. So this is like a catalyst or a primer. You don't need to. All you maybe need to be is seemingly dunked, but you're wet already. Yeah. This isn't about the longer I stay in the pool, the more I'm going to get. It doesn't work that way, in my experience. Sometimes a little goes a long way. Yeah. That's why I don't do retreats. This, tur- this turns into some because we have to because there's a facility and we're trying to pay rent and stuff, which is a valid thing. But I'm not a real believer in going over and over things because I think it's, it's like beating a dead horse. I have total faith in mind. The mind doesn't need a beating into. It needs uh, you know, sort of like waking up. Like, hey, you know? Then you come back to the room, make sure they didn't go back to sleep, but no one's going to get punished if they do. You know, you've got to get up. You know? Just a nice invitation. So. See, I'm softening you up for the short version of the day. <laughs> this is the one thing I run into when I come to events, is really, because I don't have any filler. You know, other people, they meditate for an hour. You know, I don't like, I don't want to do that. Uh, you know, I don't gaze at you for 20 minutes. You know. no. I, I could, but it's, I don't, I don't, it's not my calling. So we're basically, hey, you know, <laughs> I got nothing more to say. <laughs> That's why I have to bring out some scriptures, I think. Because I need to riff, then I can riff on it. You know, I love some old Zens. I like old Zen, you know, from China. The Chan. I like them because 
the whole thing with Zen, you know, it got feudalized when it moved to Japan. It became like a samurai activity with all this meditating and everything. That's not how it started. They weren't into like 10 days of meditating with people for 14 hours a day. The idea of staring at a wall wasn't the way it worked. What they were it was sitting inside at the at the front of a cave and they were staring out across the vista and they'd watch the play of light all day. While they were sitting meditating, yeah? They were watching light happen. They were watching the birds fly by. They were watching they weren't looking at a wall for twelve hours. You know? This whole thing gets everything gets so bastardized, it's amazing. And then you start calling it just gets lost, you know what I mean? Lost. And this message is so simple in a way. Yeah? It's very difficult, and yet it's very simple. Because it doesn't have a modality of its own. There's no path or practice you can do to arrive at it. But it will illuminate whatever you're involved in. Yeah? If you're involved in Hinduism or, or Buddhism, it will illuminate it. Yeah, it will bring life to principles that were you didn't understand before. Yeah, but you can't. It doesn't have a modality of its own. Like you can't. There's no path to practice. But whatever path it can use. Yeah, whatever. And not to achieve anything, but to express through. Like for me, it's using AA. Yeah, that's the path I came from to deal with a disease of mind. Yeah, which was alcoholism. Now it's using that path to express. I'm not going to get relief from alcoholism anymore. I get the sense of the presence of that loving power in the group conscience. That's the joy of it for me. Yeah. But it illuminated that modality for me. Yeah. So whatever way of life you're in, this is an illuminating quality. It's not a way of life. In my view, it illuminates a way of life. Yeah. You actually become the light bearer, yeah. Like Buddha said, "Be a light, light unto yourself." Supposedly, at the end of his life, he didn't want to have a uh, someone to follow or become the Buddha. He just said, "Be your own light." Yeah. And how could you be your own light unless you were your own light? Yeah. He would have to say, "Well, do and have your own light. You better start doing your own light." No, he said, be your own light, because that's the state of, the, of affairs, yeah? You are that. So whatever you're involved in, you're bringing that light to it, yeah? You're not finding the light in that, what you're involved with, but you're bringing the light to it. And if the way is a good way, it will incite or catalyze or be a primer for that light to be more coaxed out, Yeah? It'll create a safe enough space for it to show up and get established. Because this is a crazy place, you know? Chaotic. A lot of people, when they start having that sensitivity, it's difficult here because they're very sensitive. They're vulnerable, yeah? They're walking around without a shield anymore. And it can be very painful because this place is hard sometimes, crude, you know, dense. Violence and other energies. But so if you have a way of life that fosters that that uh, space to be safe and allows it to get out here, it gets stronger and stronger, yeah. And then it becomes it's truly invulnerable. But in a way, when it's coming through something that's not, 
you know, the sensitivity can get extreme. Yeah? And you have to take care of that. You need to be in safe places. You need to go to take walks and stuff or whatever works for you, but it's it needs to be fed in a nice way, like nature and stuff. Yeah. So yes. So any questions? No? We'll go get something to eat. Is that all right? Yes, I have permission to stop. <laughs> <laughs> okay.